All right. Hey, Pat, we're here doing another Devo, hanging out with the crew. The crew being everyone who's listening. Yeah. The, the crew is different up, crew? every moment. That's right. It is different every moment. We need to name the crew. Hey, we get to talk about some awkward today. <laughs> oh, great. I did. Normally, I'll... Uh, I will pick the little passage that we're going to talk about or the lectionary will pick the passage that we're going to talk about. But today, Jamie has all of the control. I have the control today. Uh, So we are in the Minor Prophets. We've been doing our series in Minor Prophets. Yep. And we're in Malachi. Yeah. And uh, is this the last one then? Uh, Nope. We... (laughs) The, these minor prophets have been going and going. We have two more after this. We have Zephaniah and Haggai. Haggai. Two more. Okay. So two right. more weeks. That is the last this. one. Yeah. 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 So we're in Malachi and we're looking at Malachi chapter three, verses six through 10 today. All right. I got it open. You want me to read or do you want to read? I'm totally open. I don't anyway, I'm, I, I just opened it. I'm not seeing any big words, so I'll take this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I decide. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not a fan. Of, like the the one word that I always struggle on, the, uh, I can now, I can't even think of it. Whatever. Okay, I'll read this. <laughs> Malachi 3, starting on verse 6, it says this. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? With a mere mortal rob, oh, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. All right. So this verse is actually kind of a famous verse for people who are into what's called the prosperity gospel. Have you ever heard anyone use that term, Pat? I've never heard of the prosperity gospel, but I was going to make a guess. I have heard before that there is like a fifth gospel because right now I, in the Bible, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Oh, right, right, right. I have heard one time before, but never researched it, that there was to believe was to be believed a fifth gospel, but it was written so after the fact that it's actually not included in the Bible. Yeah, there, there's been a lot of uh, uh, different like apocryphal writings in the New Testament, um, apocryphal meaning like of doubtful origin, okay. um, where like there's a gospel of St. Thomas and there's some weird ones in there. Like there's one where Jesus like murders a bird or no, he brings a bird back to life that dies. Whoa. I thought that was kind of interesting. And then there's one where Jesus, when he comes out of the tomb, he's like 10 feet tall and glowing. Oh, wow. 
which is kind of a cool thought, you know, like if, yeah. if I was to write a gospel and it was up to me to decide how everything went, um, I probably make it like Jesus resurrects from the dead and then like gets revenge. That's how I would write the story. <laughs> yeah. But that's not how God wrote the story. Um, so there are some gospels that are written like that. The other thing that there is too, and I don't, we're kind of on a tangent, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, there's this thing called the gospel or it's just called Q. Now it's called Q because they, they named it that source. But what Q is, is when you look at the gospels, there are some things that are almost exactly the same in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Yeah. And those things that are exactly the same, they've hypothesized uh, that there is a source for those, that those all came from one source. And so they've called that source Q and you can even buy it. Like you can buy a, a copy of, of Q, um, which is sort of the things, but they've never found it. There's not really any evidence for it. It's just like kind of a hypothetical gospel. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of that out there. I don't know all of them. I just know a couple of those ones. Yeah. Um, however, uh, the whole idea of the prosperity gospel isn't like necessarily a book, but it's more of an idea. Okay. Um, and so the idea of prosperity gospel is that um, God will bless you. Uh, God will make you prosperous. God will give you blessing here on earth and not, not just in heaven, but here on earth. And usually it works something like this. It goes something like, okay, give to this church and God will bless you. You will get whatever it is that you want. Like maybe you feel sick uh, or you have a disease. It's like, well, if you give to the church, God's going to heal you from that. Or if you give money to this mission project, God is going to uh, help your business succeed. Um, and so people have, for a long time, they'll use that to preach because it's a powerful message. And this passage over here today is one that kind of gives you sort of that idea um, but let's get into it so we can see what, what it's really saying. How's that sound, Pat? Yeah, yeah. Let's jump right into it with verse, verse six. Verse six. I mean, verse six. Our first <laughs> verse, which is verse six. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since that, oh, that's just verse yeah. six right there. So okay. This is a big deal, right? People yeah. always want to know, is God changing? Right, right? yeah. And we, do you like change, Pat? No, I think we've talked about that before. Okay, good. (laughs) You don't like change. I don't really like change. Sometimes I like things to be fresh and new, but I I don't really love change. Like, like I'm the kind of guy that will, I don't like the fact that um, clothes or tools or things around the house like are different. I'd rather everything be the same all the time. I'm like, that was a perfectly good shirt. 20 years ago. Why can't it be a good shirt today? Yeah. Um, and, and that, that causes some problems uh, because, you know, sometimes it's good for things to change, but when it comes to God, um, we really love this idea that God doesn't change. Um, and, and that's true. And I don't want to get too crazy with it, but yes, in some aspects, God doesn't change. However, if you look to the person of Jesus, who was Jesus? Jesus was God who became man. Would that be a change? Uh, You could argue that Jesus becoming man is a change. And so does God change? Well, God being merciful to us in some way is God changing a little bit. But I think what we're looking at is really the the character of who God is, how God deals with his people. 
Yeah. And that's difficult to recognize that that isn't change because I, sometimes I'll look at God and what God is doing in my life and things are changing and I'll just by default associate that to, uh, like God is changing, but God is actually the same. He's just changing my life yeah. in a way. Sometimes yeah. it's hard to differentiate between the two. Yeah, it can be. Um, and so, but when we look at God, you know, if you look at your life, there's so many things that change. Like if you're just think about being a middle schooler, man. Oh <laughs> yeah. Your life is nothing but change. It's like physically you're, you're growing more than you, you ever will in your life other than when you're like a little, little kid, you're growing more and, and, uh, and you have to also take care of yourself in the midst of that. Your friend groups change, you're changing schools. You go to a new school where you have six different classes every day. Yeah. Um, so your classes are always changing and you're only going to be there for a couple of years and then it's all going to change again. Yeah. Um, it's like everything has changed when you're in middle school. And so when we live our lives and everything's changing around us, it's nice to know that something is a constant, something always will be. And that's what I like about this verse, right? God saying, I don't change. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, so you, the descendants of Jacob, so you aren't destroyed. If I was a God who'd change, that'd be your undoing. You'd be gone. Yeah. Um, And then verse seven, he continues ever since the time of your, uh, of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord. This isn't the only place in the Bible where God says this, return to me, and I will return to you. I think that's such a cool line. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it is super cool. Uh, it's kind of in, encapsulating eternal life. Yeah. And it's the, same, it's the same kind of idea of repentance, right? It's to turn back. To return. Um, and I like this idea of returning because it's like, it's not like God saying, I need you to go a completely different direction necessarily. It's like, no, come back to what you really are, to who you truly are. And who you truly are is my child. You're, you're, you're my people. So come yeah. back to your ultimate real reality of who you are. Yeah. Um, and it's like coming home. Right. Yeah. Yeah, everything might be rough out there, but sometimes when you come home, everything you know, everything kind of starts to settle in a little bit better. Yeah, um, and coming home, you know, you go on a trip, you come home, everything's the same, and nothing changed inside. Well, hopefully, nothing changed inside yeah, your home. That's right. Kind of like Christ, you know, Christ never changes. You would expect to come home from your trip, yeah. and given that there is no earthquakes or they didn't tear down your building where you live. Uh, nothing has changed. It's all uh, familiar. It's all the same. Right. And, and I think that's, you know, for, for a lot of people who have like a decent home situation where maybe you have your own room and you have, you know, a parent or two parents there and it's like a stable environment. Home is like, it can be a really good place. Maybe your home situation isn't good. So maybe your idea of home is different. You know, for some people, their idea of home is is maybe a grandparent's home, or maybe their idea of home is um, a really good friend's house, is yeah. a safer, more stable place. But right. so God is telling them, return back to God. Um, and then He says, "Yeah, but you ask, how are we to return? Um, like, well, how have we left? Is what is what you know." the question is posed like 
what do you mean return? Did we leave? Yeah. And then there's a little back and forth about yeah. robberies. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Will a mere mortal rob God? Yeah, you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? All right. Like, it sounds like, robbed. <laughs> have I ever been robbed? Yeah. Uh, no, I have seen someone attempt to rob me before. What? Yeah. yeah. You tell. Uh, yeah. I was out surfing. Okay. And I was at, at Oceanside Pier and I drive a, a okay. really beat up truck, not beat up, old truck. And it has a camper shell on the back that has little handles that lock. And normally I'll just latch it, but not actually put the key in and lock it when I go surfing. Okay. So if you know about the camper shell, you know, you can undo it and it get in really easily. So I'm out surfing. I'm out in the water and I can see my truck parked. And all of a sudden I see someone stop and open it up. <laughs> what? Yeah. They opened up the top part and like started looking around on the inside. I was like, Whoa, this guy's like going into my truck. And there's nothing except for a few bungee cords and maybe a ratchet strap in there. So nothing that anyone would really want or that was irreplaceable. But I went in anyway to see what in the world was going on. By the time I got all the way in and up the stairs to the road where my truck was parked, the person was gone. Uh, but it was like unlatched and open. So I think maybe they thought they were going to get something, but... Uh, it was very strange. I'll tell you that. It was very, very strange. Attempted but, robbery. Yeah. So now even when I go surfing, if there's nothing in there, it could be completely empty. I still lock it anyway just to deter people from trying to maybe take a quick snooze in my in my car or something. Well, when I was a kid, pretty little, like five or six years old, we came home one night and my dad said, hey, stay in the car. I think someone robbed our house. Oh my gosh. And he looked at the house and you could see there were these glass louvered windows that were all taken out. So someone had gotten in through there. And so he went in the house, made sure no one was there and then called the police, the sheriffs who came and like, I don't know if they dusted for fingerprints or whatever. They like make a report. And uh, actually they did dust for fingerprints. I remember that. Wow. Uh, but at the time, we were so poor as a family that the only thing they stole of value was five pounds of hamburger that was in the freezer. Oh, my gosh. We didn't, we didn't have like, I don't even think we had a TV. Like, we didn't have anything that was really worth much of value. Oh, so they man. like kind of went in there, rummaged around, and they were like, you know what? I'm just taking the hamburger and leaving. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I'll tell you that after that, um, being a kid, I felt so weird that someone would go through my stuff and try to steal it. So I took my most valuable like possessions, which was like a handful of change and some dollar bills. And I, I put them, I got a screwdriver and I opened up the back of one of my toys oh, and wow. I put all my money in there. So it was hidden. So it would nice. be robbed. Nice. Ah. And that's still where he keeps his money today. So Just if you kidding. come into my house and you're looking for some serious cash, it's probably inside of a toy, right? In the back of the toy. That's yeah. not true. Don't mess with my kids' toys and don't bring it in my house either. Um, so, so anyway, there's robberies and tithes and offerings, says the Lord. Hmm. Okay. So tithes and okay. offerings. This is what this, okay. I think I'm picking up on the, the uncomfortable part that you referenced at the beginning. What's the difference, Pat? A yeah. tithe and an offering. Okay, yes. so 
I think uh, speaking in terms of when this was written, uh, a tithe would be probably giving gold or whatever they would use as a form of money, uh, probably a certain percentage. And an offering would be of so, like a live animal or like a, more of like a sacrifice. That's kind of what I think. Am I on the right, right path yeah. there? That, yeah, I think, yeah. So like the word tithe um, comes from um, the idea of a tenth. Yeah. So you think about like taxes, you get taxed on a certain percentage, a certain amount. Or when you go pay taxes, uh, when you buy something, like I remember having a dollar when I was a kid and something was 99 cents at the store. And someone's like, you don't have enough money. I'm like, but I have a dollar and that's only 99 cents. Like, what about tax? Yeah. What? Like, what is this? What do I have to pay tax for? Um, So tithe comes from the word 10th. And the idea back then was that when you made something, when you made money, when you sold crops, when you did whatever you did to bring in stuff or money, a 10th of that would go to God as an offering. Yeah. Now offerings could also be, there was also like free will offerings and kind of like extra, like you said, like, Oh, you know, I'm super stoked on God today. I'm going to give like this extra amount. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes offerings were made for sin, sin offerings. So like if you had made a mistake or did something wrong, you're like, Oh man, I, I sure did that thing wrong. I need to go make an offering to, to God, like a sacrifice to God, um, a sin offering. And so all of this would be collected at the, the tabernacle or at the temple. And this would come together and, and it was used for different things. Like, I don't know all the laws, um, but I do know that some of these offerings could then be given back to people who had need. Right. Oh, yeah. So like people could give this money and then this could go back to folks who were like orphans and widows who didn't have a way to make money. It also would be what was used to, to take care of the people who ran the temple. So in a lot of ways, it's like when you give offering at church, it's kind of the same thing. Now, God is saying like, you're robbing me in tithes and offerings. Yeah. I mean, even in verse nine, you are under a curse, your whole nation, Whoa. because you are robbing me. That's big talk coming out of uh, the Lord Almighty's mouth. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. You don't tithe, you get put under a curse. And it's, and it is like a robbery. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? It's, it's pretty bad to accuse someone of robbery, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like if, especially if you like, if you're not sure, you know, like you wouldn't be like, Hey, listen, you stole that. That's like a really offensive thing to tell someone. Right. You stole it. You're a thief. Yeah. Cause you're accusing them of doing something bad and of being something bad. Yeah. Now yeah. God is, now God is like, can you imagine even accusing someone of, stealing something from a church like that even sounds pretty bad like yeah. like if i was driving down the street in uh the church minivan and i'm like hey pat check out my new minivan and you're like jamie you stole that that's the church's <laughs> minivan that's not yeah. your minivan yeah um it's offensive to say that someone stole something even more so to say they stole it from the church even more so to say they stole it from god yeah. But God is the one accusing them of this. This is like the ultimate thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And God, God goes on to say, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, 
So now God, God is kind of saying in a way, yeah. it seems like you are in debt. You haven't tithed for a long time. You need to bring the whole 10th of all of your, yeah. all of your uh, belongings, whatever you're going to give as an offering to the storehouse. That's like, you know, like if you ever in, are in debt, you know, it's rough to pay off the whole thing and all in one go. It's easier doing like little increments. This is like a big, a big call for these people. God is asking yeah, to do God, something pretty big. God is telling them like, I don't want, you know, partial, bring in the whole thing. I've given you st- something. You need to bring it all in. Um, and he's just calling them to account. My, my dad actually told me this story years ago. Uh, and I don't remember where he heard it, but it was somewhere in the Midwest. And there was a, a guy who was on the elder board of a church. And they're having trouble with money and they put him in charge and uh, he was kind of didn't want it. He didn't want to be in charge because he was a businessman. He ran this like grain co-op where people would bring their crops into this one area and then they would all sell it together and everyone would get their share. And, but they figure if he's good at that, he'll be good at this like campaign raise money. And yeah. And he said, he said, uh, he told him at the beginning, he said, fine, I'll do this, but only if you, just let me do it my way. Don't ask questions. Okay. So the people are like, fine, whatever. And the church was in a bad spot. They were like about to close the doors and thinking about firing people and making it bad and not working. And so um, a month goes by and all of a sudden they're bringing in more money. Like the guy started to change things around. Yeah. And then, uh, and then another month goes by and they start to set records with the, with the amount of money they're bringing in. Oh my gosh. Everyone's freaking out. They're like, how is this happening? Finally, like they end up being able to buy like new, new things that they've always wanted to buy. The, the, there's so much, like there's a ton of extra money. All the ministries are fully funded in the church. Everyone's excited, but the people didn't know how this was happening. And so finally they, they say like, you have to tell us like, we don't want to be a part of whatever you're doing. If it's not legal, you know, like what's going on. Yeah. Well, it turns out the guy ran this grain co-op and anyone who was a part of the church, who was committed to the church, he took a 10th of their grain and gave it to the church without telling them. Oh, wow. So he, he forced everyone to tithe who was a farmer in the church. Yeah. And of course that's not ethical. It's not legal. And in <laughs> fact, the Bible even has a, uh, uh, even has a statement about, you know, not having, um, scales that are that are unfair and he kind of had scales that are unfair but but what it does show and what his point was is that the people who didn't miss that money and there was so much good that could happen with it that it ended up being a really good thing for everyone so there is uh an advantage to tithing and there's something really good that can happen in it yeah and i think that's what uh god is trying to say in the second part of verse 10 and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. That's good. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. That's also good. And the vines in your fields will not drop fruit before it's ripe says the Lord almighty. So, I mean, he's kind of, God is kind of saying, uh, if you give back to the kingdom of God, you, things will be so much more, right? Yeah. 
and that's kind of where the prosperity thing, you know, come comes into account. Um, and I like to look at this and and try to think about it not just as money. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because yes, is tithing a good thing? Absolutely. You know, giving to church is a good thing. When we look at our entire structure of our culture, um, people who are in need get get funded mostly by government organizations, not necessarily by church organizations, although churches do help people in need as well. Um, so even when you pay your taxes, it's like if you're cheating on your taxes, um, that that's bad because that money actually goes to help others. And what God cares about is our hearts. Uh, and the Bible even says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So if you don't care about God, you're probably not going to give any money to God. Right. Um, God cares about the heart. And so this is an, this is an understanding that God is seeing these people and seeing that their hearts are far from him. And one way that he's seeing that is in the way that they're giving and the way that they're giving back to the temple. The prosperity piece of this, and this is a big deal. Test me in this. God is actually calling them out. <laughs> yeah. He's saying, you know, cause sometimes you say, I don't want to give money to God because I need that money for other things. I don't want to give money to God because uh, I won't be able to, you know, fill in the blank, whatever you need. Or I don't want to give money to God um, because then um, I won't have enough to get by by whatever time or whatever. And God here is saying, test me in this, give the money to God, give the 10th, and then watch what happens. Yeah. And the watch what happens is, like you said, all this blessing of people's businesses, their livelihoods, right? Um, yeah. And I think what this tells us is, God's in charge of everything. Right. Right. Yeah. Don't think we're in charge of making money. One or two problems or one or two issues or one or two uh, natural disasters to change that completely. Uh, And for us to know that we are no longer in charge. Yeah. God is always in charge. Oh, excuse me. God is always in charge. Uh, always. And even in verse 12, then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Yeah. What more could you ask for? Right? Yeah. For other, for other yeah. people to call your, where your, you reside, your nation blessed and to call your land delightful. Yeah. Uh, and God, God is behind all of that. God, God is behind the people that are going to say that too. So uh, God is in charge of everything. Love it. Yeah. So, you know, the, in the purpose of it too, you look at this is to see that, you know, I mean, just hypothetically say you are a businessman and you make shoes. This is just hypothetical. Mm-hmm. And, uh, people are like, man, you really successful. You've made a lot of money, sold a lot of shoes. Uh, and how did you do it? And your story could be, well, you know, I'm really smart. I'm really, uh, you know, I, I have the best style. I have the most high performance shoe. I have the best sales team. I have the best ideas. What if your story was, well, you know, I actually decided I'm going to give away a 10th of all my shoes uh, or a 10th of all my profits to God. And God's just blessed me. Like just blessed this shoe business like crazy, you know, hypothetically. Yeah. That's the kind of story that I think needs to get out there. Yeah. And that's the kind of story that I think God is waiting. So, Any of you out there in the business world uh, who make money, um, I would say this, test God in this, you know, put this to the test, give it a try, see if it works. Yeah. And give the glory to God. Yeah. Give the glory to God. 
Praise the Lord. Thanks for tuning in. All right. Bye. Talk to you all soon. Bye.